You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Paul and special guest Mo in the house. What's going on, guys, gal? So, so Mora Mo is the youngest member of the Purple Coat Mafia. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said earlier, you and I were talking. The Queen is on. She's she's not here. The Queen of the Castle was out and about. She's at a work event uh, up north in Kalahari. So, uh, man. I got I got my turkey girl coming in. She's sitting here. She wanted to do we call it a radio show because she's four. She didn't know what the heck a podcast is. So she's here. We're having a lot of fun. Um you wanna say hi? Hi. And you were you were meowing for us earlier. That was great. I think I think it could probably pull that off of off this video for uh <laughs> put that on Instagram. That was a, that, that was, was pretty great. funny. That was great. So <laughs> Don't start. Don't start meowing. Paul, what have you been up to, man? Anything worthwhile? You know, man, I, I, I haven't. This is the first week that I didn't travel for work. First weekend. So that was nice. Got to, uh, I don't want to say relax. I still, you know, still did stuff. You know, I, I haven't done any hunting. Uh, and gosh, man. Um, actually, no, I take that back. I went I, I, this weekend. I went rabbit hunting with my buddy, Brandon. And Justin and Justin's sons uh, at Dylan, we went out and kicked some bushes and um, any luck. Sorry, we dropped the we dropped the bear, the bear blanket. Oh, There's a crisis blanket. here uh, in the podcast studio, but yeah, drop the drop the uh, we we kicked a couple rabbits up, shot and missed. Um, I I didn't shoot. I let those guys you know get uh, get the full experience, and it was it was neat. Like because I've gone through raising a kid, teaching a kid to hunt, you know, like a five or six year old and seven-year-old whatever and so justin's son pretty pretty young i think he's like eight or nine and you know with kids man it's like don't point your gun that way don't do this don't do that why are you you know it's just a constant correction and and teaching so it was funny watching someone else have to have to do it so talk about correction and teaching mora would like to mora what would you like to say you're live don't no dead air don't get all nervous now tell 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 everyone what you you put on my turkey decoy the other day What'd you do? What'd you put on the turkey decoy? The hair bow. Hair bow and the damn turkey months. It was beautiful. Again, nothing sacred, man. Nothing. No, it was beautiful. This house is full this house is full of pink and hair bow and Barbie dolls and all this stuff. These the, uh, this office is like ten by twelve and it's painted camo green. It's got camo walls. It's got turkeys hanging on the on the walls. It's you've been in here. Yep. Now and it's now, got now it's been with, desecrated with a freaking pink hair bow. Now it's got turkeys with uh, pink bows. So. That's all right, Paul. That's girl Girl. dad stuff. Oh, good. Uh, I'm with you. I I haven't been out much uh, at all. I'm kind of got some different things going on, but I'm going to save my 
my days at this point to get out and uh, shed hunt, give it a month or so. Um, still get a lot of bucks with, with antlers on the camera. So no, no need to run out there. Now I do have a couple stories. I did last weekend. I had my, my annual meat grinding weekend where I take all my, my harvest from the year and I'll turn it into, you know, grind it up into burger or whatnot. And, uh, you and I were to going back and forth, but man, that is a process and it, it takes a lot oh. of time to get everything cleaned and thawed and all the stuff that comes with it. Um, but I think I probably ended up probably about 60 or 70 pounds Dad. of meat now. So Dad. Yes. Yes, more. Dad. Yes. What's up? Um, I'm getting bored. Oh, You're... she's getting bored, Andrew. She doesn't like the, the talk about grinding up meat. I, 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 too, did some meat grinding, did some did some sausages with my, my buddy Kevin and Browers. And I had never ground that much deer meat. And like two hours into it, I was like, oh, my God, this right. is this is a ton of work. And you did it all day. It is. Yeah. It's impressive. So I think I think it'll turn out good. Uh, we'll find out. But I also used, took Brian Hall's uh, recommendation. So last year when we were, did our little turkey camp or whatever. Man, he was cooking everything in, in rendered bear fat. Not bear fat. Rendered beef, beef. beef fat, beef tallow or whatever. So I, I gave my uh, gave it a whirl at that. So I'm looking really I'm really looking forward to that cooking with that. Um, probably the best outdoor story is not really even an outdoor story that I have from the week. But the other day I went to put the kit, uh, chickens away for the night, close their coop up. And, uh, I turn around, it's dark, pitch black. I turn around, the neighbor's deer is out and I about shit my pants. Earmuffs, Mo. Uh, <laughs> because this deer being, cause it's their pet or whatever. Like, I don't know. This has turned into a kind of a saga here, but, um, that it just snuck up right behind me and I turn around and we've named her Dolly and Dolly is standing right there. And I thought I was going to have a heart attack right, right then and there on the spot. So, I mean, this, this is an actual like white tailed doe that lives in there. That li they have like just a fence, like a normal, not like a high fence, like a normal fence. And it's just around. I see the deer every time I'm over your house and like the dogs chase it. It chases the dogs. Like, dude, it's I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's like domesticated, right? It, it is. And, it's a very interesting scenario. So I had a neighbor send me a text the other day. He's like, "Hey, give me a call when you get a chance." So I called him and I said, "Let me guess. You want to you want to talk about this ex exceptionally tame deer that's in the yard?" And he's like, "Yeah." And uh, he goes, it goes into this whole thing about how he's like, "Well, my girlfriend's pretty attached to this deer, and she's borderline like PETA." I think he really what he wanted to get out of it was, "Hey, you're not going to shoot this deer, are you?" And I'm like, don't worry, man. I just got done grinding up all my deer. I'm done. I'm not doing any more this year. <laughs> I'm not shooting Dolly. Uh, he's like, well, we've called ODNR and we've talked to him. And it's illegal to, you know, keep a pet deer uh, in Ohio. I guess I'm assuming without like a farming license. The people that where this deer has been residing, uh, you know, you've seen it. They've got every farm animal in the, under the sun. And they don't speak a lot of English, so I haven't really been able to have that conversation with them about what to do about this deer. I think the no, and nobody really cares at this point because it doesn't seem to bother anything. I mean, it starts eating your landscape plants. That's a different story. But the thing that I think we're all more than worried about is waking up one morning having Dolly laying on the side of the road and the kids not like that and the neighbor's girlfriend not like that and whatever. So 
You better put a bell on that damn thing. Or you, can you imagine if you put an arrow through old Dolly? How many people would be mad at you? I mean, <laughs> Nobody would. Ever and, know I mean, it's just it, it's just it, it looks like you you would have no you would have no idea. No, you'd be like, oh, there's a deer walking through through my backyard. I mean, you've seen them. I have deer in my yard a lot, but not like that. Like this. Yeah. The wild She's deer plump. just go wherever. And this one is very much like going to come up and see if you're going to pet it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good point. So so we've got an interesting trip this week. And, Andrew, we're going to Harrisburg, PA. We're going to be in the Great American Outdoor Show. We'll be at the Go Wild booth, which I believe is booth 411, 12, 423. 412. 412. There we go. I was close. I was in the ballpark. So if you're going to be at the, the Great American Outdoor Show, come out and check it out. Uh, it is a spectacle. Spectacle. So they've got their UTV giveaway going on. If you refer a friend to Go Wild, sign them up. You get an entry into uh, the chance to win this thing. It is freaking awesome. Uh, I'm gonna start spamming everyone in my contact list that uh, isn't already a Go Wild member, uh, and just uh, and get them get them to sign up. So, so things really cool. So check out uh, check out Go Wild on the on What's the up? Great American Outdoor Show booth four twelve. If you wear a Go Wild hat and show team member in the hat or your hat in the booth, you'll get a free gift. And last year, I think it was those mini tactical backpacks that I still use to this. It was day. a good gift. It was a great gift. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. It was a good gift. So, yeah, check that out. That's going to be a great show if you're going to be there. Worth the drive. It's like what 15 acres under roof Dude, it's of insane. nothing but hunting, fishing, outdoor. It's insane. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it's it's pretty neat. Definitely, if you want to get away, so yeah, check. Shout out to Harrisburg yep. and give it a look. Yep, check check that out. And, and interesting story or interesting news from the Go Wild front. Those chumps are moving into the Sportsman's Empire neighborhood. They announced it today, oh, spoiler nice. alert, on their Instagram. Yeah, so good for that, man. That's going to be great to have them. Welcome part to of the, the Empire. Yeah, their their podcast uncensored, really neat. Check it out. Give it a listen. It's uh, it's a it's a cool it's a cool show. How how they how they do it. So. Um, yeah, time to go wild.com. Check them out, Android and app, um, or Apple. Geez. So we got mid. What's up? One last thing on that, uh, because go out is working on that mountain tough thing, right? And officially, the dates of the workout challenge were January 9th to February 5th. Now, I'm going to get on my little soapbox here just for a second. If you guys have been doing this, or if you haven't been doing this, the idea is to get you physically prepared for turkey season. Uh, I did it a few times when I was traveling because it's what I had the opportunity to do. Uh, the lunges, the air squats, all that kind of stuff. You know what? You might feel real stupid doing it, but I can tell you right now your quads are going to be burning and it's going to get you ready to go up and down those hills, checking you know, up and down, uh, off the ground, moving around, get those turkeys. The thing about this is this, this challenge was like a month, right? But physical fitness does not stop in a month. You need to continue that and keep going, okay? You, if you've already taken the first step, great. Keep going. Just keep going. You just have to keep on that routine and keep on it. If you haven't started, there's no better time than now. So get out there and and go look up the programming, whatever. Find a program that works for you, something to help better yourself and get you ready to get out in those woods um, because it will be here before you know it. It will be. And I and I have just I have a ton of intimate experience with sucking air in the tier, the turkey woods working out. I'm still getting better, still getting stronger. I'm looking forward to this turkey season. I'm stronger now, a lot stronger now than I was in 2022. 
hell of a lot stronger than I was in 21, 20, you know, when I, when I really started to, to, to suffer, uh, in the woods. So yeah, that's true, man. It's just, it's not, it's not a challenge, right? It's a life. That's kind of a kickstart, you know, it's community kickstart. So check, check and do anything, right? That's it. Do, do something, anything. Yep. Do something. So, uh, midwestgunworks.com. Great episode with Cameron last week. Really enjoyed that. Uh, we've been talking a lot with uh, the guys that we got on today, on today's episode, Missouri Woods and Waterfellas, about coyote hunting, predator hunting, and, and rifles. Cameron and those guys there, they've got a ton of options uh, for if you're looking to get into, into predator hunting. They've got a ton of shotguns for turkey season, Andrew, right around, uh, right around the corner. So, Put the code Ohio Outdoors five in the promo section when you're checking out. You save yourself five percent. Uh, they got just an unbelievable section or a s- selection of gun parts. Uh, really cool. MidwestGunWorks.com. And you know we had that we had Cameron on the show last week. I can't I can't give enough credit for how much of a resource he is. You know, you and I were talking earlier today about different guns and stuff, and I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, man, I kind of want a hog gun. I kind of want a coyote gun. What do I do? So I just texted him and he's, he said, reach out to him on Instagram and he'll help, you know, point you in the right direction, you know, and he gives me like all these answers and, you know, different options and stuff like that. The dude's a total resource. That's the kind of customer service that you don't just find, you know, anywhere, um, especially online. Look those guys up, huge fans. And, uh, yeah, they were very, they're very pivotal, uh, in designing a lot of the weapons that the guys from Missouri use. So, they kind of go hand it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're our show is today with coyote 101 or whatever you want to call it i think i'm going to title this goats of yotes uh for the greatest of all time i love it for, oh my god that's genius yeah, yeah that's that's freaking which genius, is funny because so. if you if you talk when you talk to the guys from missouri i love them love them to death but there's times they remind me more of the three stooges and the goats but uh they are they are a hoot so um yeah yeah, for for sure. So yeah, great interview with those. Thanks to our guys uh, at First Light. Ton of stuff coming up uh, for turkey season. Leafy suits. The uh, man, these these. I got one on right now. This really thin Spectre Merino wool. I love that thing in the turkey woods. It's wicking, dries quick, comfortable. Uh, so yeah, check them out. Firstlight.com. They're gonna have. I, I'm. Yeah, they did last year. They had, they had a turkey sale coming up. Uh, so I'd, you know, keep uh, keep keep an eye out for that. So. And thanks to our Bye. dudes and ladies over at Half Rack, Half Rack, Half Dash Rack dot com. Um, all kinds of hunting accessories and stuff. Big fans. Um, good people over there. Really good people. So there are. They got some. They got some neat stuff. My favorite thing that I've got from them so far is the Boone Sling, the Boone Gunsling. It's a leather gunsling. That thing is nice. Really enjoy it. It's got the good. The the where where. Um, where the sling connects to the swivels. Some of those, some of those things are just really cheap and they're a pain in the ass. Like they rust and they're hard to get out. You guys know what I'm talking about. That thing's pretty nice. I put it through the paces this year, deer season, fall Turkey season. So you will, uh, you'll enjoy that. So half dash rack.com. So as far as news from around the state, um, I mean, there's still some, some seasons that are open and I encourage everybody to get out, check your regulation book, get out, you know, do something if you can, um, we're going to work to have Mike Tonkovich on here. I think we actually just pinned that one down, Paul. It'll be right after we the did, season right closes. So be looking for that about the second week of February. We'll get you, um, his kind of feedback from, from the year, what he saw numbers wise and, 
Uh, I'm just I'm interested to to pick his brain on that. We we did that last year, and I thought that was really it was a good show. So yeah, Tonk's a good communicator about what's uh, what's going on with with the deer herd here here in the state. So uh, yeah, he, he's always a good always a good time. Finger on the pulse, man, of what's of what's going on with our whitetail herd here in Ohio. As far as news from ODNR, I you know they've got a lot of discussion about adding winter camping to your outdoor adventure bucket list. So if you get get a good weekend, or maybe you just want to go when it gets really cold and nasty, uh, go get, get out there and go camping. And then we've got a new water withdrawal reporting app is now available. I'm not even going to pretend I know what this is, um, but there's a. I, I used to have to do this all the time at the golf course. Tell all us, the time, constantly. Do well. Hmm? What like what is it? You just you just have to report how much water you're using, obviously. You have to, yeah, you have to report how many gallons of water you've you've drawn. And I don't. I and I. I mean, I was running a cycle was four hundred thousand gallons of water, sometimes more on a golf course. So I don't know if that applies to like landowners. It says Proper here producers maybe if you guys are in there. Ohio, um, revi- I, I really don't know. There's like a there's like a limit. It says Ohio Revised Code requires any facility with the capacity to withdraw. 100,000 gallons per day or more of groundwater or surface water register with ODNR. So, yeah, you're not, there's, you're, that's a big, that's, that's a lot of water. That's a big operation. So, yeah, yeah, I had to do that at the golf course pretty, pretty regularly. So, so I guess you got a new app, a new way to report your numbers. Well, pretty wild. What, what, what else, man? I mean, here, so it's what? It's, it's January 30th. It'll be February 1st when this drops. Almost February. So hunting turkeys starts in this country at Florida, March 4th in the South zone, Osceola's. So that's like, what, 35 days, 36 days away that people will be killing turkeys. People, kids, kids in Florida be killing turkeys during youth season in the month of February, man. That's a good time of year, Andrew. I'm looking forward to it. I will be in Florida for my first turkey hunt of the year, March 18th. And man, I am like, I can't sleep. We got NWTF convention coming up. I get uh, I get all geared up for that. Um, we've got uh, I don't know. There's some BHA events coming up. There's uh, what's the one that they that, that they just announced the um, BHA, the Ohio chapter of the BHA. Andrew, we, we've we've uh, we talk about conservation work. Talk about doing you know doing more than just licenses. So so we we've made a a small contribution to the to the ohio chapter of the bha we're really excited to help those guys out uh and and everything that they've got going on and so one of the first events that they've got coming up february 12th rabbits and roasts so this is a um that special permission to hunt rabbits with odinar at the urbana wilderness area so this is a uh I believe it's 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 like a like a wildlife not like it's like a wildlife refuge, but it's open to ten veterans. will get the chance uh, to hunt with beagles, the, and the beagles are provided um, for this hunt, and it's guided by the ODNR. So this is a really this is a really neat event. So you can go to backcountryhunters.org, click on events, go to Ohio. You'll see it. Rabbits and roasts. Uh, that is February twelfth. Starts at nine a.m. Runs until one p.m. in Urbana. Uh, if you have uh, questions, you can you can email uh o h a f i at backcountryhunters.org it's mr nick vincent so good uh good work on those we're gonna do some cool stuff with the bha guys this year man that's a good group uh good mission getting you clean up waterways doing cool outreach events getting people in protecting public properties really neat man i'm excited to be uh be helping those guys out for sure 
For sure, my friend. Yeah. So, well, what do we got on the show this week? We got, uh, we got, man, the three goats, goats of the oats. Goats man, what of the that? oats. What a, what, a, what a damn good name for a podcast for those guys. So, yeah. So, we've got the Midwest, or, oh, geez, Missouri Woods and Waterfell is on. Uh, Andy, Micah, and Nate. Great guys. We talk all about coyote hunting, predator hunting. Those guys are really good at what they do. They're really into it. They're just good hunters all around. So, it was a fun conversation. Even if you don't want to ever like consider coyote hunting, one, you should. Uh, it sounds pretty cool, and you're helping baby turkeys and fawns. There you go. So but this was just a really, really interesting conversation, man. I had, I had a blast with these guys. So, And the funny part was it started actually at, at ATA, and uh, we, yeah. we will never probably release that. But it was uh, we were just chilling in the hotel room having a couple beers before we went out, and uh, we had a great conversation going, and then we got pulled like – fire alarm let's go and it wasn't actually a fire alarm but we got pulled to a different event and uh the show stopped and so we were like well i guess we're gonna have to restart that one and so now you're gonna get the fresh clean all three of them together good old boy show it was great man these guys are they're the oh, real deal what a, what a time yep what a time so listen we appreciate you guys listening check us out on go wild o2 podcast check us out on instagram the dot podcast uh, months my my new turkey podcast is up and running episode two drops tomorrow on the 31st We've got cameron weddington the godfather from the turkey hunter podcast really good guy smart hunter uh check that out the how to hunt turkeys podcast on sports and empire you check it out h2 htpodcast.com uh mora you got anything to say you want to say anything you want to meow like a cat in the microphone here? uh good job so, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Give us a review. Really appreciate you guys uh, doing that. Check out our sponsors. Uh, Go Wild, Midwest Gunworks, Half Rack, First Light. Appreciate you guys. Absolutely. And uh, the.o2.podcast on Instagram or o2podcast on Go Wild. Our website's the o2podcast. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys. And uh, have a great week if you get out in the woods. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So I, if, if, if this show dives off into, into, into madness, I'm, I'm fine with that. So, um, we'll, uh, we'll see, we'll see where the night, we'll see where the night leads us. So we are talking with the Missouri woods and water guys. So we've got Nate, Micah, and Andy. Uh, we are streaming live on Twitch. This is like our first full interview live. Who, on hell, Twitch who the hell asked that question? Uh, I, 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 I it's put, coming in from our fans. Yeah, come <laughs> <in>. <laughs> I'm six. No, I'm so six this, this, <laughs> this is uh, the continuation. This is part two of a, of a original conversation that we had with with uh, Nate and Micah out at uh, ATA a few weeks or a couple weeks last week, two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks, it's, yeah, man, weeks. it all just blurs together. Um, and that got disrupted by another event that we ended up having to go to. So that will probably never be heard of, but that was, uh, that was fun. That was a good time. So hopefully we can get all that good information back on tonight. Should we let Andy know Andy wasn't at ATA with us? Should we let him know what that recording was like? Since it'll never, since it'll never hear the light of day.
It involved a bunch of dudes trying to entice other dudes back to their hotel rooms to drink seltzers and talk about coyote oh, hunting. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's that sums it up. That's exactly what happened. If you yeah. would, if you would have said bush light, you would have got in. Yeah, that room. Bush you just said coyote hunting. Did <laughs> you say coyote hunting bush light? Some bitch on me. <laughs> Forget the butt stuff. I'm fine, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here my rest over here. Sure. That's how I, that's, oh, you know how, you know how I won the cat herder of the year award. Yes. That's Fantastic. how I get Andy to come to the shows. I drive up in a white van next to his house and I just bush have lights. free, free bush light and kite hunting and, <laughs> inside. And then I get him to come in and then I lock the doors and drive over here. And he doesn't get educated like the coyotes. All you'd have to do is be like, I got a coyote problem right on the side of the van. And he'd just follow you. Probably. He just starts, <laughs> starts running down the street after you. Yeah. If somebody wants to steal my identity, credit card information, they can be like, Hey, uh, give us this information. You can let coyotes. I, you have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how did, how did you guys get into it, man? What, what, what drew you into to coyote hunting? Oh, who wants to start? Go um, ahead, for, for me, I kind of dabbled in it a little bit, I don't know, five, six years ago, just for fun. A liar. What? You didn't dabble. That's, he wasn't. No, five or six years ago. I mean, I, I played a lot, a lot of like competitive slow pitch softball with uh, a guy who did it hardcore. He's been on a show, Brandon Culler. Mm-hmm. And we talk about it like, man, I want to try that. And so I tried it a few times. And then me and my cousin started going more. And then within like two years, I was in it. They just is did, it, did it addict? You know, is it? Um, do you guys have like? I mean, every we have a. I don't. Want, I don't know if we have a coyote problem, but we have a lot of coyotes. And is it something where you had like people that were like, "Get these things off my land," and then that's how you just get into it? Or you just woke up one day after talking to that guy and was like, "Let's go do this." Coyotes have always been for me, and I'm kind of talking, I guess, for them too. But like, you deer hunt, you see a coyote, kill it. Like that's you know you don't want them chasing your deer, disturbing your turkey, turkey especially. I guess you see you know see when you know turkey season, shotgun, whatever. But uh, it was always just they're a nuisance, and if you see them, shoot them. Uh, some farmers have more of a problem than others, but growing up on a row crop farm, they weren't necessarily like a a bad issue for yeah. us. I think they're but, a bigger bigger issue with for farmers with cattle and lambs and goats and yeah. If you got livestock and and you run in. To some situations, I was talking to a farmer the other day, and I was hoping to work in the, hey, can I come hunt coyotes <laughs> situation, uh, but, and he's it's like, so, uh, and he had cows, and I was like, so, you know, how's the hunting around here, you know, you got any, you got any coyotes? He's like, yeah, I got them, they just don't bother me, so I don't bother them, I'm like, <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I was hoping he said, can, can I bother them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should have brought that up. But, you know, he, he you could kind of tell by his tone. He was like, yeah, I'm not going to give you permission. Like, so don't alone. Yeah. Like, just, we'll stop there. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So, no. so, so is it from there? Oh, go ahead. No, no, you, you, you keep talking. From there, it kind of progressed to, like, I'll go a couple times a year on the other weekends to – Hey, uh, check out this tournament. Like tournament. Like I'm a competitive person. I know Nate is. Micah kind Micah. of. Mike. Mike is competitive. Micah likes losing. He's not a sports person. Yeah. He's competitive. But me and Nate grew up playing sports quite a bit. And Micah, I mean, whatever. But uh, you call something a game, and I'm in. Like you keep score, I'll play. And uh, coyote tournament. I was like, I mean, I can go hunt all day and then come back. And it's like I kind of, I was in. So did a tournament. 
it was, it, I don't know, it, was, it combined, it combined all the things I loved, hunting, just camaraderie of friends, you know, riding around in a truck during the day, hopping in and out, um, some, you know, strategery, some tactics, strategery, and then competitiveness. And I was like, that a George is... Bush reference, strategery. Yep. <laughs> Lockbox. <laughs> <laughs> and so he just combined everything on a checklist for me. And then you, you throw in a, an adrenaline rush and a dopamine dump, you know, whenever, it, and whenever it all works. So, yeah. Same. I mean, it's not the exact same story as Andy for myself and Micah probably are similar stories. For us, it was just when deer season's over, you have this big gap of time in the winter where there's nothing to do. We never got into goose hunting. We never got into waterfowl hunting as far as duck hunting because we always heard how expensive it was. So we were like, we can't be spending all this money on, you know, all this other stuff. So you just so, diverted funds to the coyote. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so we know. <laughs> it was on accident. Uh, so then we just like Andy, Andy started coyote hunting before we did. And then we, well, that's not true. But, but. Uh, uh, well, I guess crazily. And then uh, I don't remember when I went I, on my I first one. Tournaments probably, probably. Probably. Yeah. 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 And it was just like, you start doing it. And for me, it's so much different than whitetail and elk hunting. It's a totally different type of hunt. It's a totally different type of experience that I was hooked. And then that's when the money started coming out of the pockets. Because then you got, I want this type of rifle. I want to do this. I want to be suppressed. Oh, you, oh we can run thermals Oh, now. we can do thermals. Yeah. It, yeah. And then the calls, you know, you, you don't, oh, I like this Fox Pro here, but this Lucky Duck is cool. So then you end up with five different e-callers. Ooh, they got extra sounds. Yeah, you buy extra sounds. You just all kinds of stuff, uh, different it's, pack setups, the way you want to get in and out. It's just, pods, it's just as expensive as any other outdoor hobby. Yeah. If you want to be, it's my most expensive. So if you get in it, get getting into it, trying to save money rather than doing the duck or goose or anything like that, it, that's not how it works. You're, you're going to okay. spend just yeah. much. But on that, let's, since we're on that topic of, of, you know, expenses and that kind of stuff, how do you justify that to your wives? Like for me, it's like, I need this, 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 because I'm going to bring home meat eventually that goes in the freezer that we eat. Shit, shut, shut, shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. Crickets, huh? Okay. So, I mean, if you wanted just to get into coyote hunting, you, you could do it. It you can do it with everything you have right now, except for maybe an e-caller. You can use a .30-06. You can use whatever rifle you want in most states. I don't know what state, whoever's listening to what. Our state, I'm pretty sure you can use anything, right? Yeah. Pretty yeah, much. anything. If you want to take a twenty two, that's fine. But, right. Yeah, whatever. You got the so, right paperwork, go for it. <laughs> and it, even if you didn't want to mess with the e-collars yet, if you didn't have the, you know, you could probably pick up an okay e-collar for around 150, 200 bucks. You know, that's baseline. You're not going to have as many calls as, you know, the ones up there. You could get hand calls. Hand calls are like, you know, 20 bucks a pop, and you can get a handful of those, learn how to do those, and you will call coyotes eventually. Oh, okay. You know. To, to Micah's point, exactly, you're exactly right. If you just want to, I mean, just do it for fun and, like, not get, like, over serious like we're doing. Me and my nephew were sitting at my parents' house one night, and we had nothing to do. And he started asking me questions about coyote hunting. I'm like, you want to go? 
what do you mean? Right now? Like, yeah, let's go. It's almost, you know, it's just at that dust time almost. I had a reed call, like a single reed turkey call, and I had a uh, a diaphragm, not a reed call, a diaphragm call. I had a single reed diaphragm call and a reed call for an elk, actually, yep. that was in my dad's gun safe. I was like, I just grabbed those and uh, we grabbed my mom's 270 out of the, out of the uh, gun safe. Look, we went down the road, threw our car hearts on, watched the wind, tucked up in a fence row, and I actually called one in with a single reed diaphragm and that elk call and just making obnoxious noise with it. We called yeah, one in and it actually worked. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't have to have any. I just had what I had laying around. Yeah. yeah. You so if you're just to go crazy. Yeah. You just will eventually because oh, so much fun. Is. Yeah, that's the <laughs> issue is if you do it, I don't, I don't personally know anybody that just messes around with a hunting hobby. Right. You either love it or you don't. You know, like I'll I'll go goose hunting, but that's only if somebody says, "Hey, you're going to go goose hunting with me tomorrow. You, are you free? Sure, I'll go with you." Yeah, but I straight refuse to. Go it's kind of, that's, that's, it's kind of like any, any good addiction. Like once you get a little taste, and you got to have a little more, and then you just kind of keep building from there. Tastes tastes so good once it hits your lips. Yeah, <laughs> it your lips taste so good. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you can start at the bottom and then just work your way up from there. What's, what's the, what's the, like the best time to hunt coyotes? Like time of the year? Is it, is it now? Uh, Honestly, now through like summertime actually might even be better. I mean, it's up for debate. Honestly, it's either this time of year or once those pups hit the ground, which is what April, April timeframe, March, April, May, somewhere in there. I don't know. Not March. But, uh, that's kind of when they there's, really pick up into. I think there's two different experiences, yeah. and, and and one is right now during their breeding season, and I feel like you could probably call more coyotes right now. Like you had, if if you want to go call all day long, you call more coyotes right now. But then about May, what Mike is talking about, they are super vocal and, and aggressive and aggressive. Is like that breeding favorite. season or young pups or what's what, it's, what it's, it's young pups yeah. breeding seasons right now, right? Summertime. Okay. That's when the pups are on the ground right. and they're protecting their pups. Yep. And that's when they're extremely aggressive. The males are protecting their den, the females, and the pups, uh, females protecting pups, but they're still just go. They're just starting to leave the den to go like hunt and get food and stuff. And so my favorite experience, like I think it was May and we let out, a, we got them to respond and uh, we called one in and killed it. And we were just sitting there high fiving. And all of a sudden, another one like just lights off like way on I me. Mean, it was like loud and aggressive. You could tell that that was a male. It was, and he was pissed. And we threw some more sounds. We called this coyote in from like 800 yards on a dead run. We watched him all, I'm talking about like head down. I can see the dust trail behind him sprinting at us. And this is in May. Yeah, you don't get that during breeding season. You get them; all, they're not as vocal, but boom, they're there. There's two or three of them at a time, maybe uh, during breeding season. And I feel like there's two different experiences. I think you get a better. I'm not saying obviously you can you can get doubles in the. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get in that. Uh, you can get doubles and triples and quads in the winter, but I think in the summer you're much more likely to get a sh- 
just a crap ton of coyotes coming in at one time where you are more likely to get that quad in the summertime than you are in the winter, which you still can do. But it's just like when you, when they think that you're after their pups, the entire pack's after you. It's almost, it almost feels like, including the pups sometimes. So then you got, you know, three pups, the mother, the father, and two uh, sister wives showing up and you got seven dogs and two rifles piled piled up so when you're talking timing okay so you got the winter the may summer whatever but like uh time of the day i think we we discussed this and i mean we're going to repeat some of what we talked about there in indianapolis but um kind of in the evening right you guys go out at night and then do you stay out all night do you come home at some point go back out first thing in the morning it's a done dawn dusk type thing if you only got the middle of the day, can you still call them in the middle of the day or? It depends. Right. It obviously it's kind of like deer hunting and that's that aspect. The first few hours of the morning are really good most of the time. And then the last few hours of the evening, that dusk time, those are really good. Obviously during a tournament, you have a certain amount of time and uh, you're still going to call. And sometimes, I mean, not all the time, but you will call coyotes in the afternoon too. I mean, if you get up on top of them where they're dinned up at, it's pretty pretty easy to get one out of its den. Yeah. Yeah. If you know where they're sleeping, it's more likely they're going to check Like Micah said, it's just like deer hunting. Like, I have killed a deer at 2 in the afternoon, but I am much more likely to kill a deer, you know, 30 minutes after first light and 30 minutes before last light. It's kind of the same with coyotes. They get more active. And then you bring night hunting into the fold which is a whole different animal, to be honest with you. We've only had night hunting available with lights and thermals for, this is our third year starting next week um, in Missouri. And all throughout the night, like it's, it's game on really with coyotes at nighttime because. Ebbs and flows, it seems like sometimes. Kind of like the daytime does, but they're just much more, uh, I don't know if aggressive this term, but less worried about. I think they're more confident. They're more confident. They're more confident. Right. They're more likely to come to the edge of the woods or, you know, get a little closer just because, you know, they got the the night to protect them. Cover. Yeah, cover darkness. Right. The, co- the cover of darkness. Yeah. Hey, can I answer that question you guys asked? Yes, please. What is the question? Micah, read the scrolling question for us, uh, for the listeners, if you would, please. Oh, hold on. Here we go. In a fight, who wins? Micah or a bottle of Rittenhouse? Well, it's pretty How obvious. Big who is wins the bottle? That. Yeah. <laughs> hey, are we talking? I'll answer the question this easy. We're talking, you know, high cap. The bottle of Rittenhouse doesn't even need its full self. It knocked you out with it. Knocked you out with three quarters percentage. But he got he, back he, up. He got <laughs> back up. I did. Like, it was just. Yeah. It was he just being nice. No, no that, that was our oh, last night. <laughs> I did feel amazing the next day. It was I was fair, very like, shocked. Me and Pat had a little of that as well. Yeah, oh, that yeah, was only three know, quarters of a bottle. I, I don't know. They might have had a little more. I really don't know. I know I drank a lot, but I, I don't know how much exactly. It was more than I should have. All I know is the two awards that we won in the Dandy Awards is <laughs> Elk Question. If I throw up on the mountain, how long before the scent trail dissipates <laughs> and the elk can't smell it? That's great. Hey, just hunt with the wind in your face. You're fine. 36, 40. <laughs> right, yeah, <it's> 
35, uh, 40 minutes. <laughs> your that, your that, dandy awards. Yeah, that that exemplified those two awards because Micah did vomit live on a show. And then but, I was worried about him, Andy, everybody, and the equipment. Because don't get it wrong. Andy and Pat were also feeling just fine. They were they were doing good. Nate Nate was like running around us, watching all of our cords around the fire. Like if he got within six feet of that fire, he was like freaking out. You guys no, just I was in a bad, I was in a bad mood to start it all. Yeah, I, well, I actually did take cigarettes at that time. I, I'm not a smoker, but if I'm drinking, I don't mind smoking a few things. <laughs> and I did it. I'll get this to the point just where I'm got like, so derailed. I love it. <laughs> like, I'll light a cigarette off of another cigarette if I get down oh, to it. Oh man, I've got. I've well, got. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw it on the bottom of the screen here yet. Uh, for those watching on Twitch, uh, but I've got a question that's going to derail this entire podcast. I'm gonna keep it in my pocket uh, for later. Okay. Uh-oh. Later. Hey, the, the good thing is, that. Paul, you don't even need that question, which we're happy to answer. We are happy to derail any conversation. It's so it's so fun. This is going to turn into a three hour podcast real fast, right? Yeah, just clip this half. Who who, who are you guys interviewing on your podcast tonight? Who you got who you got coming up on? Can you talk? Uh, we actually re- record in about what fifty five minutes with uh, Al Morris, the legendary Big Al Morris. Yeah, from Fox okay. So, yeah, about Kyle. yeah. He's he's on their he's on their he does their uh, their TV show right in their podcast. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. He's Ooh, he's not a, a host one. on the podcast, but he's been on the show multiple times. Okay. John Collins is a podcast. Yeah. He's been on it, yeah, for sure. But uh, that's pretty I'll, cool. I'll bring, I'll bring you back to the time of day of the coyotes. I've been testing a theory. I watch with deer. I watch barometric pressures. I started doing that with coyotes. The higher the barometric pressure, the more coyotes I see. But then also I watch the moon. Not so much the phase, but the time of day. So if the moon is out. Early in the day, they'll move. How is that? See, now I messed up my own theory. <laughs> it's not scientific take, quite yet. It, it, say it's like take, it's like take two. Right, it's in the after, <laughs> like late afternoon, and the moon is out. They'll move then. But if it's like in the morning, there's no moon. They won't move. Like it's whenever the moon is out, they'll move. If that makes sense. So, so you have an early move. So if the moon is overhead, right. They move if it's underfoot. They're right. not as likely. To move. So if the, if the moon's still visible in the morning, I expect to see coyotes in the morning. If it's visible early in the in the afternoon, I expect to see coyotes in the afternoon. No kidding. Is there any sort of like research that goes on with with coyote movements, like there are with deer and turkey? Maybe. Uh, sure, there, there, there probably is. Yeah. But I I was actually listening to Eastman's the other day, and he started talking about that and. I think it was more towards the evening time, like, you know, night hunting was one of the question. Hey, do they move more if the moon's, you know, a full moon, whether the half moon or whatever. And he said for the longest time he would keep track, kind of like Andy did. And he didn't find any correlation as far as that goes. But, you know. Hey, are you going to ask us a question about rifles? Yes. Eventually. Okay. Let's do well, it just, now. Let's unpack when it. You, well, Micah first has a, a funny qu- – joke he made up that we had on our show this oh, last week geez, you're gonna make me say it. I mean, would say you guys it. like to hear the joke uh yeah yeah hell that's yeah. what i wait that's the only reason i listen to the, your entire podcast is get the stupid <clears throat> jokes at the end i appreciate that andrew okay, so I, okay. <laughs> if if you the have that nate runes right if you do happen to listen to our show 
Andy there for a while. He was always doing a dad joke. Well, I kind of took it upon myself. I'm going to start doing Chuck Norris jokes again. You know, remember how that was a trend? Chuck Norris always there was always a Chuck yes. Norris joke around. Yeah, and we. So anyways, I, I have. I'll take credit for kind of spurring a little bit of that by throwing that yeah, at you guys maybe. for your year yeah. in the review. Oh yeah, yeah. sub zero <laughs> yep. That's right. Time. Thank you. No Thank way. you for that. Yes, you're no right. Way. You're 100 percent right. You started it. So anyway, so I came up with a joke on my own, and it goes like this. So Chuck Norris. <laughs> hey, you got you got to let him let him let him cook. Yeah, let him cook. I've only said this. I've only said it out loud twice. Look, all right. I've I've. Just picturing Micah driving around, doing his job, filling the propane, <laughs> thinking these jokes up in the He's middle. He's got a little notebook beside him, Chuck Norris. <laughs> you know the, those memes where that little cartoon guy's holding a guy back and just says, hold up, let him cook. <laughs> let, him, let him Micah go. go. So Chuck Norris was having sex at a metal factory, and a drop of his semen fell onto a piece of metal. And that's how the six five Creed mortar was made. <laughs> <laughs> that's my joke. And what I like about the joke is it's pretty funny and it pisses a lot of people off all at the same time. Right. It like divides everybody that listens to it, and it's great. Because there's a lot of people like, yep, it's the best one ever. And other people are like, that, that that rifle sucks. Chuck Norris impregnated what famous semi truck? What was that the joke, or did, or was yeah, Chuck that, Norris the father of the of of the sem- famous semi truck? The original the joke goes: Chuck Norris was having sex in the back of a semi truck, and a drop of his semen fell down, and now that truck is known as Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> so I took and I did my joke. I took a little spin off that, and I was like, how can I piss somebody else off? I think the term I think I think the term semen has been used at least five times <laughs> already. And we're talking about coyote hunting and we haven't even really gotten into the breeding idea. So. That is that is a record. That technically isn't a cuss word, right? Oh, I don't think so. Anatomical or something. All right, what's your next? Coy- what's your next coyote question? Rifles. I think they want to know about rifles. Well, let's. We we yeah, got into the, the gear. The, well, the, the six five, right? So that's obviously your your gun of choice. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I've hunted with one, yes, and they will do the job. They're fine. Uh, I'll just start. So I recently I just switched up guns, and I haven't even taken it out yet. But I just went. I bought a twenty two two fifty. Okay. So that will flat, be my flat main. shooter. Yeah, flat shooter. Flat and fast. Flat, really, really fast. That's going to be and it. No matter who you talk to, if a twenty-two two fifty ain't in their top five coyote guns, they probably don't know what they're talking about because that is literally. If you talk to any coyote hunter, they're going to say twenty-two two fifty is damn good gun. So that's why I went with that one. Andy, what do you shoot? Grenade launcher. Yeah. Andy's got quite a few coyote rigs. I'm starting to get six five Creedmoor. Yeah. I do have a six five Creedmoor. Uh like I started with a two oh four and I really like it, but once I got suppressed, I didn't have a threaded two oh four, so I moved away from it. Um my go to is a two forty three though. That's that? um you still have that flat shooting. I can still get some some speed and some uh hydroflactic shock. I can range my bullets anywhere from 58 grain all the way up to 100 grain. Uh, so that's a super versatile um, flat shooting. And uh, yeah. yeah, 
You can kill deer with it. Good gun. Good, go it's, deer a, deer it's a really good all round gun. Almost. Yeah. Uh, Nate, what do you, what do you shoot? It's like a six five Grendel or something. No, that no. That's my. Well, I, I have yeah. that. I do have a six five Grendel. That was my coyote gun. Uh, but like I said, I, I went with the two two twenty two two fifty is going to be the death. So, so I, what you're I run saying, two. Oh god. No, you're good. I say so. What you're saying, Micah, is the twenty two two fifty is superior to the six five Creedmoor. Is that what I hear? Is that the statement you're making? The six five Creedmoor just packs a lot more punch. You're going to tear some crap up with it. Not necessarily. That's not a bad. Not thing. necessarily a bad thing. Not a bad yeah. thing. They will definitely kill them. They, you know, they have a ninety five grain Bmax. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Bmax. So it's a smaller grain. Well, not small compared to some most, you know, coyote calibers. But 95 grain, you know, you're scooting upper 2,800 feet per second, something like that. Are they in the threes? I don't think so. I could be wrong. Anyways, but, yeah, they're fine. But they're just a little more overkill than what I want. Hmm. I have a good story on 6.5 Creedmoor. Hold on. Yeah, Nate, what do you shoot? Uh, I shoot two guns right now. I shoot a 22.250 and a 6 arc. Is my other gun. Yep. Yeah. Which is very similar to a 243 mm-hmm. as far as the, the weight of bullet you can shoot through it. What I love about my six arc is it is a, I'm shooting a 103 grain bullet out of it and I'm doing it on an AR 15 platform. It is super light as far as the gun itself and it shoots well. I mean, to that question on the bottom, like I dropped. We're using a thermal the other night. I dropped a coyote at 175 ish. We don't know for sure how long uh, with that six arc in its tracks, and then I missed one at 80 yards the next night. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but so I really like that gun. Um, I'm actually thinking about another six arc so that I can have a day rig and a night rig. But sounds like you have a problem. I told you it, it becomes a problem. Like- yeah. When you're going to yeah. go day, day gun and night gun, it's like a day car, night car. I mean, mm-hmm. I, yeah. Okay. So when you're picking out these guns, obviously we're on the lower end of the spectrum for caliber and stuff. We're not talking, you know, 350 wind mags and all that kind of stuff or whatever. 300 wind mags. Sorry. I'm an idiot when it comes to guns. We should um, try that sometime. 350 a 300 wind mag on a coyote. Just see what happens. Right. <laughs> that would that'd be crazy. So, and you mentioned a 175 yard shot, 80 yard shot. What can you expect when you are out there hunting? I mean, these aren't 500 plus yard shots, but they're also not, you know, coming into 20 yards, like, you know, bow hunting a deer. So is it that 80 to 175? Is it 50 to 200? What, what's an average shot? What do I mean? Kind of, kind of I range mean, are you bringing them in? It kind of depends on where you're hunting and what terrain you're in, where we hunt in Missouri you're probably going to be 300 yards and in for the most part. Now, our buddy Austin killed one at 527 a couple weeks yeah. ago. It, it's possible to shoot further. And then he smoked – well, he shot one at 20 yards, and we never found the one shot 20 <laughs> yards. Yeah. So, like, where we're at, mostly we shoot 300 and in. But I would say on average during the day, a lot of my shots are between 100 and 200 yeah. at the top, at the most. We get a, we get some dogs and much closer than that, but usually that's not by design, unfortunately. So, for instance, Andy was saying Austin had one at 20 yards. That was not on purpose. 
you know, you don't really design your set to have a, a dog at 20 yards. You know, something went wrong in that set somehow for that dog to be that close, which is a good thing, I guess. But that's not how they were set up to do that. So usually I would say you set we set up to have a 100 to 200 yard shot somewhere in there for the most part. So when they're coming, you we'll get into the calling here in a second. You call but you've got them at 100, you know, whatever, 100, 200 yards shot are you waiting for him to stop I, I these are some really basic questions and we're going to like title this i think coyote 101 but like a deer obviously you got one uh, that's where my mind goes for everything it's coming in coming in, it stops puts its head up looks away that's when you draw back shoot whatever um coyotes in my mind i just always see them scooting across the field like and those things are not going to stop do you try to get them to stop in place I think I've seen some of your videos or some videos somewhere with thermals and stuff. And it's almost like, no, you're hitting a moving target. You got to you know, really be on them and, and ready to go when, when, when you're pulling that trigger. Depends on your scenario. Yeah. But I mean, uh, for the most, you definitely like ideally want them stopped. Yeah. And right. So you, have to, you have to remember like when we're calling, we have our call 50 to 80 yards away from us. So our goal is to get that coyote's vision on that call and not where we're at. So you have an ideology where you think this coyote's going to come from and you do not want, I don't want to be sitting directly behind the call. So it can, as it's running in, it can see me moving behind it. I want it looking way out away from me and it's running parallel to me. And then usually, I mean, once we're ready, we're locked in, you'll give it kind of a howl, just a, you know, get it to like stop like mat. You give it the mat. You give it the mat. You get the mat. Yeah. It's very similar to deer hunting. (laughs) In that aspect, because there's several things you want to read a coyote's body language, just like you would a, a deer. So if you, let's see, you initially see the coyote at 300 yards and it's coming in. Don't shoot it at 300. Let it work. Let it come in. Let it get closer. Read its body language. You can tell if they're on, on edge or if they're not. And then as they get closer, a lot of times you know, once they're, let's say they're at 150 and, you know, you haven't seen another dog behind it. There's not a double coming in or whatever. They're just naturally going to stop at some point. And then if they don't, that's when you do that, the coyote version of a mat. And usually it's a, woo, you know, something to get Wait, them to can you, say. Can you do that again for our listeners, please? Woo. Nice. Something, uh, <laughs> something, you know, just I, honestly, some people probably say, hey, I mean, anything right. just to get them to stop and look. And whenever you do that, you, I mean, you better be ready to shoot. You better be ready because they're going to stop for about two to three seconds, look, and then they're going to turn and be gone. Yeah. So So, it's kind of, it's very similar to deer hunting when it, when you're talking about reading body language and stopping them, I guess you'd say, but I, you, all three of us would really prefer not shooting a dog that's moving. It makes it a lot harder. When you guys go out though, a lot of times I see, I think in your videos and stuff, you're, you're hunting as a team, right? It's not just a necessary. You can probably do it as a one man thing, right? But oh, oh, yeah, is, some, sure. is somebody like a spotter and somebody, I mean, especially at night, I mean, if you're doing it that way, you got to, do you have somebody with night vision or th- the thermal that's kind of following, watching for other dogs coming in? What's that look like? Uh, on a perfect, like what I enjoy doing and, you know, the experiences I have, it's great when you have two shooters and one scanner. You're talking about night, right? At now, night. Thermal. At yeah. night. With the thermal. Somebody's with the thermal or with the scanner, and he's literally just doing 360 the whole entire time. And then you got your two gunmen. 
And, you know, you can point it out because if anybody's been behind a thermal on the gun, you can scan with those. It just sucks. It's just a pain in the butt to do. So that's when it's handy to have that guy just with a scanner. He can move a lot quicker. So do that, and then he can line everybody out. Hey, we got one coming in at 4 o'clock. We got one coming in at 3. Hey, there's a double or whatever the scenario. And you want to be close enough where you can actually talk to him. Mm-hmm. And that's when – and I'm terrible at it. but And you can get your countdowns where, hey, 3, 2, <laughs> 1, shoot. You know, but uh, – and we haven't – I haven't mastered that yet. Well, and so, you think back to when we first started thermal hunting. Yeah. Um, we'd have the guy with the scanner, let's say, and the two guys with the guns were, I'll say, on his right and left. And the guy on the scanner would say, all right, we got a coyote right there. And the two guys on the gun are like, what the hell does that mean? Where? It's dark. We don't know what you're saying. I can't tell where you're looking at. So, over here. Yeah. We, you know, we've gotten a lot better at explaining, you know, coyote to my two o'clock or, you know, whatever. Or that, that light pole that you can see on the horizon, it's to the left of it. You it's, know, whatever. It sounds dumb, but coyote hunting is, is very tactical. You're hunting in a group. You have to be able to communicate with each other, have a plan. You know, if. The, the one that you know you hunt with no okay if guy on the left if two come in you're going to take the far left i want to take the far right you know or however it's going to be like your countdowns you know it's three two one bang or three two bang Not three two bang yeah <laughs> it, it's a learning process when you hunt with people you have to know like know yeah. how everybody operates yeah and it and daytime's really no different except usually during the day if you're with three people all three of those guys are going to have a rifle. Mm-hmm. One of them's going to be running the call. Yeah. They're at a disadvantage just a little bit, just because they're going to be looking down at the call. What's good. What are the, they're planning on what they're doing next. So the other two got guys got to pick up the slack as far as looking for everything. If I'm so, in a group yeah. of three, I like, I like to call. Nate likes to call. If, if, if I'm in a group and I'm calling and we're sitting up, I want to be in the middle. Right. Because I want to have a guy on my right free to look and, and scan and be on his toes, a guy on my left to look and be on his toes. And there I'll look as well. But like Micah said, you're fiddling with your call, you're looking up and down, you're not like focused, you're searching for the coyote comp. You're focused, but you're thinking about, okay, they didn't they didn't respond to this. What do I want to do next? And you're looking at the timer, like, all right, I've had this 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 sound running for forty seconds. I'm gonna stop it right now. Okay, that's at 357. I'm going to start calling again at five, you know, six minutes. So you're doing a lot of like game planning as the caller, which obviously you can still be looking and scanning and looking for dogs at the same time, but that person's inherently going to be at a disadvantage. So what you don't want to do, especially in the daytime, is have that guy be the first shooter or whatever, where, you know, he's, He's doing all this other stuff, and two dogs walk in, see him fiddling with his call, and, mm-hmm. and leave, and nobody ever saw him. So uh, you look up from the call, and all of a sudden there's a cow right Yeah, like, oh, crap. but that's kind of the so, ba- that's how we do it for the most part, at least. Do when you guys are doing it at night, does everybody have a thermal then to be constantly yeah. watching? Okay, yeah, and then yeah. do you? This is really stupid, uh, but if you're sitting kind of like in a circle or whatever, and you got the guy in the middle, you said it was the caller, right? Usually, 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 usually. All right. So does yep. the guy on the right, like right-handed so he can, or whatever. And then the guy on the left being left-handed, is it one of those type of things? Is it that well thought out or? So, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, that's a funny question because We're Andy, all, Andy is I'm left-handed. Yeah. So a lot of times I will sit on the right, if I'm not calling and I have a choice, I'll sit on the right-hand side. 
because as a lefty, I can swing to my right easier. And as a righty, that person can swing to, to their, their left, left easier. So I, as a left-handed person, I sit on the right if possible. Because if you think about if you think about the way you hold a rifle, like I'm right-handed. Yeah. So if I'm standing up with a tripod at night, butt stock's going to be on my right. on my right shoulder. So it's so much more natural for me to do this if I need to than it is to do this. Yeah. So our it's listeners just, might might not be able to see, but <laughs> if if you guys were out hunting right now, this might be what the lookout look what it looks like, right? Yeah, right. in the middle. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. That yeah, he's he's sense. he's okay. calling. He's got a thermal scanner right now. Yeah, and he's scanning. We're we're basically just sit, standing there. If if he's scanning, I mean, we'll play with our rifles and we'll scan too with our <laughs> our thermals on our guns. <laughs> but it's a lot less <laughs> effective. So. Well, sometimes we're just chilling, and then Micah will see dogs right. and be like, hey, two dogs, my 12 o'clock, and then we get set up. And sometimes we don't have all, like, if we don't have the equipment, all of us have a thermal that night. Both uh, me and Nate have a, a way we can Wi-Fi to your phone. Yep. And Or iPad, actually. I've, I've got uh, guys working on iPad to where you can have this screen, and I don't have a thermal. I'll run the call. And I will see what whoever I'm linked to, I'll see what their gun sees. And so I can help them like, hey, go back to your left a little bit. What's that over there in that ditch or whatever? Like, And then I can also take over if something's coming in, you can hit the record button on that phone or iPad and control the recording and film what's happening through the thermal. Uh, so I don't have a physical scanner, but I can be involved and be able to see what they're seeing. And if there's a coyote coming in and I'm running the call, I can still see to see the coyote's reaction. So yep. it's a little cheap, I guess, and not, you know, you don't want to spend the money to get everybody a thermal. Well, and that's that's the only out. bad thing about night hunting with thermals it's is expensive. it is a very expensive thing to get into. I, I'm a mooch right now. I don't own anything. So anytime we go out, I'm borrowing something from somebody. Yeah. So it sucks, but it's just the I mean, way it is right now. A thermal scope. So, for instance, Andy and I have similar thermal scopes, different brands. A thermal scope that we have, which is not even a high-end one, it's a good. They're solid. It's like mid-range. They're solid mid-range to you know above average. Mm-hmm. You're talking around four thousand dollars for just one of those scopes. Wow! So, so they're bought, they're not you bought two of them, one for your day gun and one for your night gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't need one for can't, the day. Can't use a thermal daytime. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean. So that's the only thing that sucks about hunting with thermals, but there's a lot of people that hunt with lights that are just as effective. Yeah, you can spend hundred bucks on a badass light, and you can kill dogs too. Yeah, we we haven't done it just because thermal we, is we, fun. We went towards the thermal game. Well, these guys have, and I'm we just mooching just off it. Jumped in, yeah. jumped in head first. Yeah, so it it's like playing video games, honestly. Like you're you're sitting there and you're watching the screen, and you get to watch these dogs. Do these do this stuff, and it's it's awesome. But it, it's like yeah. playing a video game. So, so we'll 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 start wrapping this up. I know you guys got that a, a big interview here here shortly. Just I have just one real basic question. What what are some of the calls that you use to to call in coyotes? Like the like the brand of the call? No, no, no. Like the actual like calling sequence. Are you using like distress calls, like rabbits, or are you using like? Coyote howling, or you record your children and throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the time of day, but like if you're talking some prime time calling, 
Um, I like to lead a lot of times with a, a, a vocal, like a solo howl type stuff. Um, and I think me and Abe are pretty similar answers from watching each other call. But hey, move your mic closer to your mouth, will me? you? Sorry. I don't know if that's... So, I mean, I, I'll start with that lone solo howl. I'll pause for a little bit, just give it a little bit of time. And then uh, I'll go into some type of like a prey in distress, like a rabbit, squirrel, bird, run it for a few minutes. Um, you know, they talk about, I think it was uh, on Eastman's, talked about if a coyote is, say, a thousand yards away, um, running at X amount mile. Basically, they figured it's, it takes three minutes because a thousand yards away to get to you. So I try to remember that. Like, I don't want to just overpopulate sounds. I give it a lot of kind of slow play, but I give it a little bit of time. But then after that prey distress, man, it's just a crapshoot after that. If they don't yeah. show up in the first so many minutes, so that's your high percentage. It's your first probably, what, 10 minutes? 10 yeah. to 15. Yeah. 10, 15 minutes. If you don't see nothing then, your chances of, chances of seeing one go way down. I do a lot of fiddling yeah. with my calling. Like, if I don't, especially in a tournament, if I haven't been successful, let's say, on three sets, mm-hmm. I start getting – I start saying, well, it's my, it's because of my calling. When in all reality, it's probably because the dogs just didn't want to work for whatever reason. Or there wasn't dogs there. Or there were dogs there. But um, I'd say most people sit for about half an hour or less. There is a very successful coyote hunter that I know uh, that lives in Missouri by the name of Heath Baker. He'll set for an hour plus on almost every set he goes on. And he's usually pretty successful. He does it for a living. So it seems to be another window of like at that, that yeah. 30 to 45 minute range, he, he's successful. In. Yeah. If it's not in the first 10, it's going to take 30 to 45 minutes. And I, I don't know why that is, but he has that weird second window. Yeah. If you're willing to spend that much time, uh, it's possible. But uh, no. And we might, and we might sit longer if we're just hunting, but if it's on a tournament, if you're doing a tournament, Time is crucial. So if you don't get, if you don't see nothing in twenty minutes, you're out of there. No. Yep. So when uh, this is so weird to me because, like in deer hunting, you know, you talk about you just go sit right, and like it might be the last light, it might be some random cruiser, you know, ten thirty in the morning, and you just sit and be quiet. And this idea of calling and trying to bring them in, and then after thirty minutes, you're like, peace, I'm out. You just got to get. And I guess we're going to get into the term thing real quick. We, we, I know you guys got to get got going. stuff to do months. I know, but I got questions. <laughs> You're good. Uh, we got, I got cut off my hour. The last time we were in this, the, uh, you move from uh, one spot to another. Are you guys just picking up private land basically from farm to farm? And, um, I mean, and I, I guess I got more questions about the tournament. We'll start with there. So is it just going from farm to farm? You're like up. This yeah, one's, this one's a bust. I mean, I guess Excellent. every once in a while you could sit on the same farm again because it's large enough that you know you can move seven hundred yards and and have a different different set. But most of the time, when we're moving, we're getting it back into the truck and driving somewhere else. Um, now, like there's some there's some guys down in South Missouri that there's a lot of rolling hills that you could you could call one drainage, get up pop the hill, go to the next drainage and call again, you know? So it, it just depends. But yeah, 90% of the time we are, after we're done, we're walking back to the truck, getting in and driving to the next place. Hmm. And yes, so, for, for us personally, we hunt 99% private land. 
with coy- for coyotes. And on these tournaments, well, um, I, what is a good what's a good coyote tournament look like? I mean, I I, I have no concept of what this is. Are you bringing home six dogs, three dogs? That'd be Are they cool. weighed weighed out? Like, yep. So, I mean, the coyote tournament basically, I'll compare. I guess uh, explicit is probably one of my favorite tournaments. We have a couple. Uh, Midwest Wildlife puts on another great one. Uh, I think the explicit tournament. There was teams of up to three. There were sixty-eight teams. Check that that checked in on Friday night. You go Friday night check in. Kind of a big deal. Everybody sits there, BSs. I mean, you get a bunch of like-minded people in there, bush lights flowing. You'll be there for a minute. Uh, they, they give you the rules. Yeah. They go over the rules and everything. They go over the rules, tagging procedures to make sure everything's right. Uh, and then so the next morning, uh, you start hunting typically 30 minutes before, you know, first light. You can start shooting. In Missouri, technically, it's not the law, but to kind of keep everybody on the same playing field. Typically, the rule is 30 minutes before first light. Um, and then you hunt all day. you got to be back at that place that night at typically 7 o'clock. The one we're about to do this weekend is 8, 8 o'clock, o'clock, but it's also about an hour and a half drive from us to get there. Um, so you got to be back at that spot by then with all of your coyotes tagged appropriately uh, per their rules. Uh, and then, yes, they do take all of your coyotes. They weigh them uh it goes by most coyotes first, and then total weight second, typically. A lot of times there's side pots for a big dog. Little dog, mangy, mangy dog. dog. Just what was the last one? Mangy dog. Or like ugly dog, they'll say that. Huh. You know. Have you ever seen a coyote full, with full-on mage? I have not. You're just in Google. Dude, the ugliest thing. Google that. It's the ugliest thing you'll ever see. That's where the oh. chupacabra. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guarantee you. That's what people think a chupacabra is. Yeah, it's a mangy ass coyote. <laughs> the only coyotes I've ever been around got picked off during deer drives, and I'll tell you, I got a strong stomach, but those things about made me vomit. They smell so bad. They smell. Man, they're nasty. They're, they're, they don't smell good. No. They, so I'm still trying to figure out why this is a cool thing, like. Why you want to go out and pick up some mangy ass, smelly ass dog? Because uh, there's fun. there's something to <laughs> that you can't well, eat. And I mean, just on the tournament side, that mangy dog could be worth a thousand dollars. You know, true. I mean, if it was just for fun, and I shoot a mangy dog, I'm probably not gonna pick it up. I might kick, yeah. I'll kick <laughs> it to the nearest ditch. You know, if I'm allowed to do that wherever I'm at, if the bland owner don't care. But uh, yeah, I mean, tournaments. When it comes to tournaments. Those dogs are worth money. Every dog's worth money, essentially. And I, even even not that it's a big deal. Aside, we, yeah, we're not. I could care less about the money. I do it just more for the fun of it. It's a good excuse to hey, we're going to go out. We're going to hunt all day. It's going to be a great time. Uh, if we win money at the end of it, cool. Yeah. If not, uh, I still had a good time. And worried about it. even with tournaments aside, there's something about hunting a predator mm-hmm. that is different than hunting prey. You are, sorry. No, I'm, no, no. You are, you are attempting to get something to come and hurt what you're trying to be. So if you think about a coyote, it is the most successful predator in North America, hands down, because they live everywhere. They besides adapt to every, yeah. besides, they, they adapt to every environment they are put in and they thrive. So there's something different about trying to get a predator to come to you 
that is totally different than weight, you know, hunting a deer, which also does. I mean, I love deer hunting more than anything. So it's just different, man. Like it's just a totally different experience, totally different. And yeah, we, we've had a few people be like, you know, if you shoot it, you should be eating it. And uh, I listen, I'll be the first person to say, you ain't ever going to pay me a penny to eat one of those nasty bastards. It's, it's never going to happen. So I'm not eating them. Um, but yes, technically there are red meat. So I guess you so, could eat them. Well, but, and also there, I think there's some statistics out there that for every coyote, it will take down an average of 19, 19 fawns during yep. the year. So for yeah. your deer turkey population, I mean, that's part of the reason these things started and are happening. Tournaments get a bad connotation because it looks like we're just getting together and go kill shit all day long, right? But really, there's, there's, there's a purpose. Yeah, there's there's a conservation aspect to, to that right. stuff, to those tournaments. Oh, for sure. a, a pretty big conservation aspect, really. Yeah. So Yeah, people guys, don't realize. Go ahead, sorry. Andrew. When you when you are doing the weighing stuff, do you have to field dress them? No, no, no. They don't want you to because totally. when you field dress a predator, you are putting a lot of nasty shit out of their like the bacteria that a predator has in its stomach. So, like for instance, uh, the bobcat I killed last month or whatever. When you go to get that taxidermied, you do not field dress it. You put it in a bag and in the freezer because when you when you release the stuff that's in their stomach contents. Um, it gets really gross really quick uh, because of what they eat. So, no, you don't field dress them. Um, Sometimes, depending on the tournament, uh, they'll have a fur buyer yep. there, and they'll collect all the dogs. And then you'll have some tournaments where you're responsible for your own dogs at the end. So, but you're just skinning them. If you're, yeah, if you're, if if you're going to do anything with a coyote, yeah, yeah you're, you're skinning skin. them. Yep. Yeah, you're going to skin them. Yep. Okay. Like if we if we kill a pretty coyote, we got a buddy of ours, uh, the bearded trapper. He he messes with fur, so I'll be like, "Hey man, I got a good one. You're more than welcome to have it." Skin he'll, it, stretch it. Yeah, he'll yep. he'll skin it, stretch it, get it tanned, you know, and do whatever he wants to with it. Yeah. You know, back in the day, fur used to be quite worth quite a bit. You know, raccoons, coyotes, all that. It's not anymore. I mean, I think a coyote's worth like thirty bucks That's or something now. Well, uh, north they are. Yeah, north like here, coyotes. It's like, Five ten. If you have a super nice one, maybe thirty. Yeah. But there's a lot of work for nothing. Yeah. If you get up in like South Dakota, uh, where like O'Neill Ops and them are. Yeah, they can like, make some money. They on. get thirty, thirty-five bucks a pop on some of their nice, cool, like thick fur coyotes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time Absolutely. tonight. Where uh, where can people find you guys on social media? Uh, they can find us on social media at. On Instagram at the Missouri at Missouri Woods and Water, all spelled out. On Facebook, just search for Missouri Woods and Water. And we are on Go Wild Two, which is Missouri. Believe it or not, shocker, Missouri Woods and Water. Uh, that's the only three uh, social yeah. media apps we are on. So Mike is on OnlyFans. I knew, Micah, I knew it. You, I Micah, knew it. you got that. You got hey, that OnlyFans, hey, right? Hey, Andrew, you dickhead. He's married to my sister. If you, oh. if you want a picture of my, feet, <laughs> if you want a picture of my feet. <laughs> oh my god! All right, gentlemen, thank you, thank you so much, guys. Yep. Hey, thanks Absolutely. for having us, boys. Yep. Right, yep. Take care. See you.